Welcome to the Seek Outside Podcast. Hey, you, should, you think that's bad? See Ryan on the phone in the office. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Hopefully everybody's getting out, doing fun stuff. Best time of the year. Hunting season. Hunting. Hunting Hunting. season. Fall season. Whatever you like to do in the fall. So many fall activities you can do out there. It's definitely the best time of the year, in my opinion. I would say, you know, it's not windy. Mm -hmm. It's not overly hot. It's still nice. Yeah. Get a little freeze in the morning when you're up high. Top 10 seasons. Uh, top 10 seasons well top four rank them yeah let me rank them all right we got fall coming in as number one Mm -hmm. summer is number two hot take here but number three is spring well no number three is winter Mm -hmm. and number one is spring just can't take the wind in the spring yeah the wind the rain it's mud season you can't get up high it's hot i don't know spring just yeah me and spring don't get along. We get allergies. It can be hot. It can be windy, dusty. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I, I was a, I was a staunch supporter of spring as number two on the list. But uh, recently, in my my old age and, and wisdom, mm-hmm. I've uh, become like you. Spring is uh, probably last, oh. mostly because where we live, I think uh, mud you season, get this. Dude. Yeah, you get mud, wind, weather is. The most unpredictable. Could snow, could be a hundred degrees. Yeah, literally. <laughs> could be li- anything. Yeah. The last three years I've lived here, uh, the first May I lived here, it was a hundred degrees yep. in May. Yep. The second year, we got snow. Yep. And then last year, it was just like normal. Yeah. But I mean, it had snowed almost once a week or if not more all the way up until end of april yeah yeah and then may was like wow it's 60 degrees in may yeah I, yeah. yeah spring is spring is too all over the place man it is it's it too is. it's too delusional yeah it's uh, <laughs> it's the blue-haired girl of <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. um hot take <clears throat> hot take speaking of hot takes so uh today we got on the podcast we're gonna get to our our interview with Giannis here after we do happy hour, um, but then first, before that, we're going to do a little hot take session. Mm-hmm. Um, we each thought of a hot take before we we came here, Owen, and th- these are based off of recent trips that we've... Recent both. experiences, yeah, yeah, recent trips. What uh, you got? All right, so my hot take, this goes in a most anything two wheels. As you guys probably know, if you know me from the podcast, I happen to like being on two wheels. But we'll take it down to motorcycle camping and just off-road adventure. You know, a motorcycle is a great way to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see a lot in a short span of time. It's still very physical, even though you have a motor. Like mm-hmm. if you're off-road, you know, this could be very physical. But <clears throat> my hot take for the day, I recently did a three-day, 440-mile trip <laughs> on a bike that I bought for this exact purpose. It's a Husqvarna FE501, the S model. So it's a street legal dual sport. Which, quick plug real quick, got the pack dump. Your, yeah. Your gear. And we do. probably another video coming on that real yeah, soon. Yeah, it'll be the, out this week. So we have uh, two videos kind of related to moto camping. So if you guys are into that, you can find that on our YouTube channel. Um, but my hot take is I, I've come from 250s, you know, small bore, <clears throat> dual sport motorcycles. And in so many ways, the trip that I did, there was maybe, I would say, 30 or 40 miles that were, no, I'll take that back. There's probably 100 miles that were considered harder riding, mm-hmm. right? But the rest of the miles, that 500 is just so high strung, it vibrates. It's tiresome to ride. You gotta you gotta work with it a mm-hmm. lot. While a two fifty is just I mean, you can just lay your hand all the way down to the throttle and just sit there and it's obnoxiously slow. Those maybe hundred hard miles that I did would have been not very enjoyable on the smaller bike. But on the bigger bike, it's amazing for those hundred miles. But then you gotta think, I mean, that's a quarter of the miles I did were enjoyable. More enjoyable on the big bike. 
So, my my kind of hot take here is that you know sometimes less is more mm-hmm. in 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 many facets of this world. You know the the two fifties though they suck in so many ways. Sometimes it's better to be a little undergunned. So a hot take would be from the from hot what I the got. hot the hot take the the hot take if we come back to it. The so hot take is you do not need the biggest baddest thing to get after it. You can get after it on these small bikes, and most people should be smart uh, starting on these small bikes because it teaches you a lot about clutch control. Um, yeah. teaches, teaches you how to ride more than a big old motorcycle that can just chug through anything just because you have the power for it. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's my hot take. Everybody should start on a small bike, upgrade to a big bike. I love my big bike. But there is a place and a time for those smaller bikes, and especially when you're learning. I think there's that's my hot take. Yeah. Start on a small bike. Yeah, hot take is very similar to, uh, you know, unless you're pulling a horse trailer, you don't need a 250, or you don't need a 2500. Yeah. You don't need a, a three-quarter ton truck. Yeah. There, there we go. That's hot take. Boom. Your Tacoma will do <laughs> most of your driving. Yeah, yeah. And it's much more comfortable. Right. And you can probably, you might be able to tow a horse trailer. It'll struggle. It'll yeah, go 40 miles an hour, but. It'll be uh, rough. You know. But yeah, it's a hot take. You don't, you don't necessarily need as much. Yeah, yeah. Great thing to have. It applies for everything in the world. But you know, it's the same thing. Let's, let's take it to backpacks for a second, since I'm on my hot take rant. Mm-hmm. You could go out with a 4,800 size backpack and hunt seven days. Mm-hmm. But you just aren't going to carry as much. Mm-hmm. You're going to numb it down, simplify it as much as you can to the point where you just. Do not need the space that you need in a 6,300 backpack like we make, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have the 6,300 backpack, you're like, well, I'll take that cheese snack. I'll yeah. take that leftover burrito I had from last night. You know, yeah. I might as well. You yeah. Know? So it's like, you know, you can get her done on the smaller stuff. Yeah. The bigger stuff's a luxury. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No doubt. Hot take. The biggest hot take is uh, there is a form... Uh, the the biggest hot take is that uh, their gear, like, there's a little bit of, like, like mental masturbation that goes on with gear. Oh, 100%. And I think that applies to the moto, you know? You're like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, I want the bigger, stronger, I want the more powerful shit. I think that goes for anything, man. Oh, you know, no you doubt. Get in, you get into, like... I mean, what did we see the other day? Something where you can buy, that's almost like leading into an outdoor industry tale, right? But like where you can buy your favorite hunting influencers food package (laughs) for the day, right? Like, you know, it's such an obsession with gear because honestly, you find what works for you, right? Like, for example, I know the 500 works for me because when I'm not camping off of it, I ride hard stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Um But, like, it's something that you find yourself. It's not like you're like, I would like to go have, you know, John Doe's meal because John Doe eats this in the woods. It's like, well, you know, certain things feel better people differently, right? Like, Mm -hmm. some people may go better off of a more planty diet, you know, to stay healthy when they're out in the woods. And some people may need just a super high-protein thing, you know? Like, some people run better off protein. Some people run off better off carbs. So that was an interesting thing too. I mean, yeah. gear is just gear is so subjective, but people think of it objectively. Where yeah. they're like, they're like, oh, this guy, this guy uses this, yeah. so this is what I need, and you know, it's well. And let's be honest, dude. I mean, I'm guilty of it. It's fun. Oh, it's fun. It's to fun. Like, yeah, it's it gives it gives your mind. I mean, in the day and age we live in, it's not incredibly hard to survive so we have things to yeah. think about right yeah, I mean, no like, that's exactly it you can sit at work with your your slower point and you can be like well what yeah. if, I, if i had this this would be better for that and this would be better for that yeah and you get to this yeah you just You're obsess like, what over if, it what yeah. if i get into this situation yeah. where i need a three uh three thousand dollar rifle that's seventeen pounds. Right. Yeah. What if? What if? What if? Yeah. You never exactly. know. <laughs> maybe I maybe I need it. Yeah. Maybe. 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 But people, yeah. People just like switching stuff up too, yeah. man. No, you know, and it's fun, do. man. It's like whatever. It's fine. People do what they want to do. There's all you could you could pick anybody's hobby oh, or yeah. like anything anything that anybody wants to do. 
and be like, oh, well, you know, that's that's too much. It's yeah. Like fucking football, man. Yeah. There's no reason that I should know like 95% of the Denver Broncos roster and know like how many yards some quarterback threw for last year. But I do because it's something I like to do. You like to think about it. You know? Yeah. yeah. Over. yeah. It's one of those things. So, well, I got a different hot take. Um, and my hot take is that <laughs> float trips, drift boat trips, I don't know if they're all that they're cracked up to be, you know? So I just, let me explain this a little bit. Comparatively to what? Compared to uh, hiking around with some waders okay. on a river. So let me explain this. So this past weekend, I was, I've, I went on a float trip on a river near here um, doing, doing some fishing. And I, I guess that's more so what I mean, like in terms of fishing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fly fishing. And we got to go with a guide, and it was awesome. It was fun. We got to float the river. There's something to be said for just that. But fishing-wise, you know, I, I, I think for me personally, anytime I'm fishing on a river and I see some guys floating by on a drift boat, I'm like, God damn, they're probably catching so many more fish than me. Right, man. It's not the case. No. It's not the case. Uh, there's, uh, some downsides, right? You can't, it's not as easy to just find a hole right. and fish it. You know, you, you kind of, if you're going by a good hole, sometimes if you're not stopping there, you only get two or three casts, right? You can't just change flies. You know that there's fish in a spot. So that was interesting. I thought, you know, I've like, uh, you know, there's certain, uh, certain scenarios when floating a river is, uh, what you need to do but a lot of times and our guide even said this he said that most of the time just walking down the river is all you need to do but the reason why people get on boats is because you have a guide and that's why a lot of times people have like the catch more fish on a boat is just because they have a guide that's been fishing that river a lot so that was interesting but that's, that's a fair hot take yeah you know? i think that, like you said there's kind of a, a time and a place of um like when you when you could use that right there, yeah. there's spots at least in colorado with our water laws that are uh, very hard to get to without a boat true. right <clears throat> yep and uh so you might be able to get to a place that's hardly fished at all, right? And those fish just have so much less pressure. You could fish way harder. But mm -hmm. in the place that you went, um, you can really just access it all, can't yeah. you? By yeah, foot. I mean, for the majority of it. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah. some that we were, like, kind of on private water. But, yeah. Yeah, so it was interesting. But, um, but yeah, so those are our hot takes. Hot takes know? for the day. It's, all, it's always good to express your opinion. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> But now, uh, we are going to move on to the next segment here. We got happy hour coming up. All right. So, happy hour is here. Um, it is 344 on the dot, but that means that it's 544 on the East Coast, so it's happy hour. Which is, yeah, pretty dang close. Yeah. And honestly, like a lot of bars do happy hour from like 3 to 5. Because it's like the slow hours. They're trying to get people come in. Get so, people in there, yeah. yeah so, I mean, yeah, no, perfect it's timing. full-blown happy hour. And uh, just for anybody that doesn't know, this is a segment where we pick a couple headlines that we see on the internet. And uh, with minimal research, <laughs> we... Uh, we talk about them. We talk about them. Give our reaction. So, um, the first one that we got here, um, this, was, this was actually pretty interesting. I thought it would be... It would pertain to you, especially because you are an e-bike owner. Um, so, have you ever heard of an electric pedal assist kayak? I've not. No. So, uh, yeah. So, and this was this was an article from Wes Seiler. Uh, he's a writer for out out outdoor or outside online and a, a bunch of other publications. But uh, he's actually he's actually uh, done some reviews on seek outside tents and stuff like that. Um, so I was, he, he can be, he can definitely write, uh, you know, some almost like hot take. He, he's not afraid of the touchy issues. Like he's, Open he's done a couple up. things yeah. that are more, I don't know why they're controversial, but you know, some people don't react the best to them, but 
Anyway, he, he wrote an article. Um, so there's a company called Old Town. Um, they make kayaks and they traditionally had, had made like regular kayaks, but also like pedal kayaks, um, which essentially work just like a bike. There's a little, little rotor underneath. Um, when you pedal, it's kind of like a, a, a pedal boat that you would rent at a, at a, a family lake or whatever. Um, but they just, this last year, they uh, started dabbling in taking the technology that is used in e-bikes, the pedal assist technology, and throwing them in fishing kayaks, um, which is pretty cool. So they have, uh, they have a couple models out there. The most expensive one is like 6000 um, and then they have a, a lesser one that I think was like 3500 um, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool because, you know, they're, they are heavy. Um, so they're a little bit harder to transport. You know, the lighter ones are like a hundred, 130 pounds, but they can, you can take like the, the battery and the motor system off, uh, you know, to load it onto your truck and put it in the water. But, um, I thought it was interesting because, um, in this article, he was saying that, you know, this might be a way to kind of cut down on some some gas motors on on the waterway yeah um you know kayaks anglers are kind of flocking more towards them because they're quiet they don't disrupt the water a lot they're stealthy you can get into you know uh get into smaller spaces that you you know maybe there's a, a wake restriction or something like that so i don't know i thought it was interesting that they were uh that they're making this this technology um, he described these things as being able to just freaking fly, um, as you can on, if you've ever rid, ridden, uh, rode an e-bike, um, you know, if you get going and you throw that thing on like fourth gear, you're freaking flying. You can yeah. get up to 20, 20, 30 miles an hour. Um, these ones specifically can go like 45 hours on one battery in like the cruise control mode. So 45, I don't know. 45 hours. Damn. Yeah. 45 That's hours. Crazy. Obviously, there's. I think there's a little bit less. Um, the motor doesn't have to do as much because yeah. it's no, that's fair. As as opposed to like taking an e bike uphill. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean that's cool. I mean yeah. the weird thing with anything pedal assist is what's the line between it being a motor and being a you know you know like as far as like <clears throat> let's say anything with a motor in Colorado you need to register right as mm -hmm. a boat mm -hmm. um and so you know there's a weird line between all those things um, yeah i think in my opinion like pedal assist you're still working for it like you can't be decrepit and just turn it on a gas right you still mm -hmm. have to have some fitness to you so um my opinion on on pedal assist isn't as long as it's just pedal assist, it's not a motor. I, I think it's all fair game, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's one of those things we just haven't had, you know. And yeah, until probably the early 2010s or something, right? Yeah. Um. So it's like it's a hard thing to. There's not many laws on them and stuff, but I think it's cool. Yeah. I'd probably if there's 40 hours of runtime, dude. Like, oh, that's pretty easy. Cause like an e my e mountain bike, it's you know it's a bigger e-bike and it's pedal assist only it's class one um but like you probably get depending on what mode you're in 30 to 40 miles max mm -hmm. you know which that could only be four to five hours mm -hmm. if, if you want it to be if you're riding hard yeah so, it's uh it sounds cool yeah. i'd own one personally especially if i was around some bigger lakes yeah well and obviously there's different classes right yeah. Uh, yeah. with e-bikes um, there's some that you can take on certain trails, some that you can't, um, with these kayaks, I think it's, I think it should be a little bit different. I honestly, because <clears throat> there's so many places that, uh, cause like with e-bikes, right? There's a lot of places like you can take a moto where you can take some of these higher class e-bikes, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's yeah, not, yeah. it's like you either take no motor or motor and yeah, you yeah. can mostly do like e-bike motorcycle not really much of a difference yeah with kayaks it's very different right because there's a lot of places that you could take a kayak but you can't even come close to taking uh, a motorized boat exactly yeah so it's going to be interesting if this uh, technology kind of kicks in 
where they're going to allow these things, what the difference in classification is going to be. I mean, because like lakes are such a different thing. Um, you know, like are these going to be allowed in the in the boundary waters? Because I'm pretty sure you can take kayaks in a ba- in the boundary boundary waters. But you can't, you gonna, can you take motorized stuff in the boundary waters? Or? I don't. I don't think so. But I don't know. I would probably argue that uh, this kayak is you know because the the thing with taking something motorized right is they want they want people to have to work to get to wherever they want they want to limit people yeah. they want to kind of minimize impact well these electric like take the boundary waters for instance 130 pounds i mean that's a, a solid 70 pounds heavier than an actual kayak yeah so like and like in the boundary waters, there's a lot of portages. There's a lot of times where you have to carry the boat across mm-hmm. land. I don't think that this is necessarily uh, like that big of an advantage. Like it's got its advantages in water, but it's got its disadvantages as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be it'll just be interesting to see. We'll see where it crosses over at. Yeah, yeah kind of because it's a it's kind of a different ball game and. Because you know, there's been so much talk with, I mean, like there's always been moto and then there's always been like foot and horse traffic trails. Mm-hmm. But when the e-bikes came in, there's been, you know, like <clears throat> for the most part around here, at least you're limited to motorcycle trails on your e-bike, mm-hmm. which you can still have so much fun on. Yeah. Um, but there isn't much legal single track on an e-bike. Yeah. It just seems like there's a much more distinct line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In like land than there is water, so it'll be it'll be interesting. But um, anyway, yeah, cool cool thing. To, uh, the articles on outside online. If anybody wants to check that one out. Um, all right, next headline. Um, so uh, there was a couple articles on this, and it was like they were like, "This bride wants to kill me," or. Um, I think the other one was, uh, this, uh, these brides are trying to kill me, but essentially, um, there was a wedding in the middle of the Guatemalan jungle. Um, and there was this couple, uh, guess who else, but they were from, or guess where else, but they were from LA and they wanted to get married at, um, La Danta, which is one of the largest pyramids on earth. Uh, it's located in the ruins of El Mirador, a centerpiece of Mayan civilization. Um, it, so essentially, this couple, they got their friends, and they decided that they were going to have a wedding. It was uh, in the infancy of the Trump era. They're, they're um, lesbian. And in this article, it says that they were scared to do it in, in public. Um, so they had to go as far from the public as possible. Okay. So they ended up hiking 60 miles <clears throat> into the jungle to get to these ruins. And um, it was during per- peak rainy, rainy season. This was like June or July. Mm-hmm. And they brought their friends, one of which did not know what they were getting into. Um, you know, they, they encountered like freaking biting all all the shit that comes with the jungle comes with the jungle yeah. just to get married at these ruins and uh i thought it was interesting because it kind of brings up the whole like this is a new a new trend almost is like these kind of like more adventure destination weddings and i don't know at least my opinion is just just chill bro i just know chill. Right? Yeah. like you got like like a wedding is something that you want people to come to right? right yeah it's something that you want to be like a fun celebration party yeah and i i speak from this being that my wedding is very soon right around the corner here uh, you want people to come you want it to be like as stress-free as possible for for people for everybody yeah these people they chose the exact opposite chose to do it in the middle of the freaking jungle where people were literally kind of almost like risking Lots. their health yeah because right, there's all right, sorts right. of biting shit down there that could mess you up and but it's it's like a common thing now like people there's lots of occasions where people are going to crazy places and and trying to have their wedding there and it's just like man 
I mean, yeah, I mean, like the story, like the story's cool, but maybe like a second wedding with like four people that want to go do yeah. it, right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's um, like yeah, I mean, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Like a wedding is kind of like a celebration of love, if you may. Yeah. Uh, but like, you want like, what are you gonna do when your 70 year old dad can't make it to your wedding or whatever? Yeah. Right? Like, you yeah. Know, I don't know. That's the thing, and, and it's it's like I it's so know. extreme. It just it's, seems yeah. very extreme, very uh, very like trying to be different. Yeah, you know, especially and maybe I'm tainted because I know that these people are from LA. Right? <laughs> They're probably trying to trying to prove something. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting, and it's uh, it's becoming a thing to get married in. In remote, the middle of a weird of nowhere, yeah, just yeah. weird places. It's like, why are you trying to be so different with your wedding? It's yeah, like it's just you're you're partying. That's yeah. essentially what it is. Yeah, it's that's partying, the yeah, opposite, it's celebration, man. dude. Yeah, that's that seems like something that I would get back from and be like, Jesus, fuck these people, man. Well, I'm not sure. hanging out with them again. Yeah, no, for sure. But where's anyway. the where's the booze? Who hiked in all the bottles? Exactly. That's what exactly. I'm getting at. I mean, I don't know. Now you see where my priorities are. At, yep. But. No, that's a fact. That's a fact. A wedding has to have alcohol. Yeah. And a lot. What are you gonna do for food? Eat ants? Yeah. I don't. Come on. Come on. Freaking mountain with house, man. Mountain like, house. Like, oh, this is a. Uh, and for the wedding dinner, we got Peaks Refuel. <laughs> no way in hell, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. We got no. biscuits and gravy. For yeah. A peak refuel. I'll be like. <gasps> yeah. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, I'm fucking out, out dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right, last one before we get to the interview here. So uh, this, this uh, the last few months seems to be the season of weird animal attacks. So I don't know if you've heard, but like on the news, there's been a couple occasions where like otters um, have attacked people. Uh, there was a woman that got attacked by a beaver. Um, there have been multiple bear attacks, and that's understandable because this is the time when they typically happen. But this one kind of takes the cake. So there's a woman in Louisiana. Her name's Peggy Jones. And like when you hear this story, this is a story that only Peggy Jones could participate <laughs> in, right? So she was attacked by a snake and a hawk at the same time. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So so she was like in her yard, they're just doing yard work. Uh when all of a sudden a four and a half foot snake falls on her arm. And at okay. that point, you know that you did something in a past life <laughs> yeah. to deserve this, right? You were, you were John John Gacy or some shit. But uh, but yeah, so she uh, she has this snake fall on her arm, right? And in I don't know I don't even know how this thing like landed on her arm and like didn't bounce off, but it didn't. It just Ends stuck. Up, yeah, it, it no stuck way. around her arm. Started coiling around her arm. She's like trying to get this thing off. This thing's like striking at her face. She's got glasses on, so luckily that protected her from getting sh- getting uh, hit. And it's funny because I read a couple articles on this. One was New York Times, one was CNN, and then one was Outdoor Life. And they didn't know what kind of snake it was. The CNN and the New York Times article both said, both mentioned like fatal venom in them yeah they didn't even know what kind of snake it was outdoor life did not so props to you outdoor life for uh accurate reporting and not dramatizing the the event but anyway so the snake is on her arm attacking her trying to hit her face and all of a sudden this hawk swoops down and is like trying to grab the snake but obviously slashes up her arms with those giant talons right well after they're fighting for a little bit the the hawk finally like tries to fly off with the the snake and she like shakes her arm the hawk flies off with the snake and it's all good but she was like she had to go to the hospital she had a, a wrecked up arm um but you know obviously what probably happened was the snake dropped this or the hawk dropped the snake after it had caught it and she just happened to be in the worst place at the, at right the worst by time. inches dude. <laughs> yeah, by, by inches. inches literally it would have been inches if this was like couple inches to the right or or if she was like oh, i'm gonna go get some some sweet tea yeah this yeah, wouldn't happen fucking crazy man that's insane could that's you imagine like, if that happened well dude i heard about the <clears throat> one i think it was near missoula about the lady who got attacked by like river otters or something yeah you, you saw that mm-hmm. right 
I was just like, man, what a, like, you'd be like, oh, what a cute little animal. Hi, little river otter. And then just like, oh, my God, no, no, no. Dude, it's brutal, man. Just That's that's something like the snake and a hawk at the same time is something that would happen in, like, Family Guy. Oh, yeah. You know, like in, like, one of the chicken fights where it's Peter versus the chicken. Literally. I'd be so traumatized. Not traumatized. I'd just be like, this had to have happened to me. Yeah. (laughs) Are you kidding? Yeah, I know. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully she's had a, a lot of good luck since then. And who knows? Maybe she was sitting at the uh, penny slot machine because obviously Peggy Jones is somebody that sits at a slot machine. That's a, such an amazing name, <laughs> yeah. Peggy Jones. But call her PJ. PJ. Hey, yeah. PJ. PJ got hit with the double, the try, the the dual threat, the dual threat, dude, just out of nowhere. Yeah, I, know. I wonder how long it went on for, though. That's like my question. Like, what was the time frame? Was it a twenty-second ordeal, or was it like? I, it probably minutes. was, but yeah. it probably felt like. I mean, in forever. The moment, yeah, she was like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. this will never end, dude. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's uh, that sucks. It's uh, yet another. <laughs> it just sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. not like there's not like anything that's like. It's not like, oh, you'll happens to the best. And you're just like, no, it sucks. <laughs> no, yeah. That is not a thing that happens to the best of <laughs> No, no, no. You're just like, yeah, that sucks. That, like, that's just brutally unfortunate, dude. Literally sucks. It's another reason not to live in Louisiana, though, you know? Too many snakes. Yeah. And it's just, you know, that's what happens down there, man. Yeah. Crazy voodoo. You never know shit. what happens in the South. Yeah. Yeah. Especially Louisiana. Crazy stuff happens. That's true. But well, uh, this has been Happy Hour. Seek outside Happy Hour. Hopefully, you are enjoying a little Happy Hour yourself. Um, But uh, yeah, thanks for listening and enjoy the interview. This is a man thing that we've been. Every man has probably been practicing since the age of three or four but i'm gonna ask you give me your best motorcycle impression your your best uh dirt bike impression what you got dirt bike yeah (laughs) hit it no way i can't do this on live television um (laughs) do it i don't no, that's no, hey, no. that's great, man. No, Everybody's no, got there's like different styles. Ah, yeah, that's that's yeah. the one I'm. That's more like real life. You hit the whoops. Ah, 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 yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's all whoops right there. I like it. No, that's that's good. I feel like uh, you know, every guy, if you're yeah. talking to that that person about uh, motorcycles or dirt bikes or whatever, there's always going to be some sort of vocal sound effect element added to it to be honest like if i have a good weekend of ripping moto i usually walk in and i make that exact noise to you. you do yeah you I, was do. Like, I was i was like going up the hill and ah, ah, ah. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah for sure yeah because it's you know you got men it. are just good at sound effects right yeah, uh, we've got, been I mean, practicing uh, them since we were young literally, you know? literally. gun sound effects oh. i got like i got different calibers lined up and shit oh yeah know? yeah yeah but motorcycles um if you haven't caught on today, we're going to be talking a little bit about dirty bikes, dirty the bag. dirty biking, dirty bagging, and uh, we got scooting. Mr. Owen Tim here, who is uh, uniquely qualified, at least amongst us seek outsiders, to talk a little bit about. Uh, I would call this probably a new hobby that you've kind of gotten into this last. Um, I shit, you bought your. When did you buy your first dirt bike? It was only like this was, year. Yeah, I mean, it was about a. Yeah, it was I bought my first dirt bike in like going into spring in twenty twenty two. So it's probably been Oh, okay. A little over a year and a half. I've, okay. I've, and I've had four dirt bikes since then. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Tell the people how many dirt bikes you've yeah, owned right. in that short amount of time. I've had a lot of dirty bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the uh, the truth is, you know, the, each each one is built for a different reason, right? So that's you kind of just go through them. You got to figure out what works for you. So yeah, well, so that's a that's a good jumping off point. I want to talk a little bit. I, I think the main <clears throat> I, topic here is going to be moto packing specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to ask you, what did you start with? What are you at now, <laughs> dirt bike wise? 
and why did you end up where you're at? There's there's 26 years of age from my first dirt bike to my new one. Mm-hmm. I started off on a 1996 Honda XR250. Those are air-cooled, kickstart only, as basic as they get, don't make a ton of power. Uh, but really cool bike. Uh, I found it for a great deal, and they're bulletproof. So I had that thing for probably like five months, um, maybe less, holy cow. And then I sold it. I bought a KLX 250. Mm-hmm. The reason to doing that was I bought a 2022, and it was dirt cheap. So mm-hmm. I got a 2022 KLX 250, uh, electronic fuel injection. Cause when you go from, we live here down at 5,000 feet, you go up to 10, 11,000 feet, your carb just doesn't like a carburetor needs adjusted versus electronic fuel injection. It just auto adjusts. Um, so I bought the KLX, both of those bikes were really slow. Cause I'm like a 200 pound rider and those bikes are probably meant for somebody who's like about 150 pounds. So they were pretty slow. And then I bought a Yamaha WR450 in 07. Really liked that bike, um, but it didn't. It wasn't street legal at all or anything, so I was just riding that as a dirt bike. Um, and then I sold the KLX and the Yamaha and ended up buying a 2023 Husqvarna FE501. Um, so lots of power, plenty of power, brand new bike. So you kind of get that honeymoon phase with it instead of these used bikes where you got to fix some things up. You kind of get like, I don't know, maybe a hundred hours of really not having to do much maintenance besides changing the oil and the air filter. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty cool owning a new bike Yeah. at the moment. You know? Yeah. Um, and reason for that was, yeah, just get, get to a new bike, be able to have that honeymoon phase and have something that's street legal and, uh, Yeah, and then have something that's street legal and, you know, that can do anything. I mean, that bike, can you can take it to a motocross track if you want. You can go ride single track on it, and you can also motocamp off of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, there was a little bit of just uh, – I think we've probably talked about it before on the podcast, but, uh, you know, like just trying to get something new because it's awesome. It is but awesome. it does sound like you also – um, we're, we're kind of working towards the goal. You had a, you had an idea of mm-hmm. what you wanted to yep. be able to do certain trips. Yep. Um, so let's kind of transition into brap packing brap as packing. they call it, brap right? Yep. Moto packing. It's kind of a, it, I don't know, would you call it a, an emerging hobby? I, I feel like I've been seeing a lot more about it recently. I mean, I think a lot of things throughout like. 2020 through 2022 when a lot more people were going outside a lot of people were just discovering new ways to get outside or ways you know so i I think everything rose in popularity in that time and which is probably why you're seeing more of it um motorcycling is funny because it's like um it's not a positive like feedback loop like if somebody dies on a motorcycle or you see something like tragic happen people don't go buy more motorcycles <laughs> so um there's like more risk adverse people in the world now so it's probably honestly a slightly dying sport yeah i would think i don't know exact stats but i mean like like if you look at like harley davidson like they've been trying they've been struggling number one and they aren't really in the dirt biking but they're like touring mm-hmm. bikes you know and um their sales are super down they're doing everything they can to try and get new people in the riding motorcycles so yeah so are are there advantages um to doing something like a like a dirt bike so and just real quick for anybody that may have a question essentially we're just talking about taking your your motorcycle going loading up loading up with gear essentially overlanding with your motorcycle yeah yeah, back backpacking with a motorcycle, exactly. overlanding. Yeah. yeah, I mean whatever you want to call it. Hence the brat brat packing. Uh, yep. <laughs> um. But uh. So are there benefits to doing it with a motorcycle as opposed to an ATV? Like, are there are there different trails that maybe you can go on with a a dirt bike as opposed to an ATV, or is it more just like kind of you know, obviously you're having a little bit more intimate of an adventure with mm. uh with a motorcycle because um you know motorcycles are take a little bit more skill to operate than probably an atv or so is it that or is, is are there advantages to riding a 
motorcycle. Yeah, I mean, comparatively to like an ATV or a side-by-side, um, in most places in the U.S., you can legally have a dirt bike that has a plate on it. Like, you can just make it a street-legal motorcycle. It's seen as in any other motorcycle you'd see on the road. Um, so most places in the U.S., you can do that, make your dirt bike street-legal. Um, and that means you can hit pieces of pavement to connect a trail. Um, that also means you can, you know, like if you need to go to town and fill up with gas, you can do that versus like an ATV or or a razor. There's very limited places where you can actually drive those on the street. I think like just one that comes to mind is Moab, Utah. Um, still got to have OHV permits and stuff for that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean the motorcycle is cool too, cause there's single track. Can't do that with four wheels. Um, you can get places just so quick. Um, you know, like doing a lot of the passes in the San Juans that was like on my trip, you know, on a, in a, at least a four by four car or, or maybe an ATV, like it's going to take, you know, you're pretty slow going over the rough stuff mm-hmm. on a motorcycle. You can choose a line and get through stuff so quick and you can just hit stuff at such speed. If you're talented enough that like a pass really doesn't take too long. You can ride 150, 200 miles of dirt. Um, if you're fit and ready for it you know like you can get a lot done in a day on a, on a bike yeah no that's uh, that's a good point i didn't i didn't think about the pavement connection i could so like essentially with a dirt bike if you have a street legal plate you can go directly from your house to wherever you want to camp yeah as opposed to an atv which most places you gotta you gotta take stay, your trucks you gotta trailer. stay on dirt <clears throat> like it's not like you could never do these big loops from your house or these big loops from a town on an mm-hmm. ATV, unless it's all going to be OHV legal, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. Well, and so just a quick plug here. Owen did just write a blog that's up on our website. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you just got back from a, a weekend, four hundred and what was it? Four hundred and fifty miles. Yeah, it was um, four forty when I got back to the house. Yeah, and I did that over three days, two nights. Um, really cool trip really cool trip mm-hmm. um yeah it was it, that's a lot of miles <laughs> that was that was my that was my first thing like day one i think i ended up doing 140 or something um by the time i'd gotten to camp and everything um which i like i was like oh that's not too bad you know it was a lot of off-road riding that day too and i started at i think like nine o'clock in the morning and it, like i was setting up camp when it was dark Right. So it was a big day on the bike. Um, you know, stop to eat and fill up gas. That's really all I did. And then I fished for a little bit too. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's not that bad. You know, I woke up in the morning though. Uh, and I was like, Oh, okay. That's pretty bad. <laughs> like I, I, I definitely felt pretty sore. And then I had another, I think I set up my next camp at 300 miles. So I had another 150 miles, but there was a lot more pavement. Um, I would say like 50% pavement. Um, that next day because uh, I had to make a connection and I just didn't have enough gas to go on the dirt spot um, down the dirt road or the dirt passes. So, and uh, yeah, then the next day was 140 miles of all off road. And it's just hard to explain after you've, when you're on the bike, you don't ever, you don't get a break. There's not a point where you can just like sit down and maybe close your eyes or just ponder off into the distance. Like you're always, you're always, you always have to be on, right. There's not a, there's not a time where you can just like sit back and relax. Even when you're on the pavement, you're, you're worried about, you know, like other vehicles or, or yourself making a mistake or road hazards. Right. Um, so you just, your brain is always on, which is half. I mean, it's pretty tiring Yeah. to never, you never get to sit down. It's not like, you're listening to music or anything. You're just kind of, you're there. Yeah. You're experiencing everything. It's, yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's very yeah. cool. You know, well, that's a, something that you don't really think about with uh, dirt bikes. Right. I, I, at least before you got one mm-hmm. and we started talking about them and, um, I always thought of dirt biking as like easy, right. It mm-hmm. was like a, which I mean, maybe compared to like a straight mountain bike or like an e-bike, it, it might be easy in certain ways, but mm-hmm. you come back from the, these trips and uh, it seems like it's a full body workout and you don't think about it, but the whole time it's like you're, you're having to control this 300 pound machine. Yeah. Uh, and you know, especially doing some kind of sketchy stuff. Yeah. It's uh it can, it can be a little, 
a little physically and mentally exhausting, I can imagine. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of legs. I mean, you could say you did like a thousand squats in a day, right? Like mm -hmm. you do it. I mean, you're squatting a ton, your arms are absorbing impacts, um, and your core is holding you up when you're under acceleration. I mean, it, it is cause I was the same before mm -hmm. I really got into riding <laughs> motorcycles and dirt bikes. I was like, well, you know, cause I'd ridden mountain bikes for so long. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah. I mean, you just, you have a motor, like it's gotta be so easy. Yeah. No, no, no. And the worst part is like, if you get the bike stuck, or if you have to turn the bike around, I mean, you're turning a 300 pound machine, you know, mm -hmm. pivoting it around or trying to get a 300 pound machine unstuck. Like it, that is where the real workout starts. I've, I've sweat harder in my moto gear, trying to get a bike unstuck or trying to get it up like this sketchy section of hill. than I think I ever have on a, on a mountain bike or, or any, any pedal power thing like that, you know, yeah, so it's kind of funny. Crazy. Yeah. Funny. You don't think about that. No. Um, well, so, so, so bike packing, right? I mean, uh, kind of explain your, your gear setup and what, what, maybe you could start with the actual bike and any modifications you made specifically for more adventure riding. Um, and then you can go into like some of the gear that you use in terms of hauling your gear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as far as the bike goes, there's endless modifications you could do mm -hmm. um, to really, I mean, that's kind of the fun thing. Yeah. They call them like trinkets in the adventure motorcycling world. On a smaller bike like my bike, you aren't going to be carrying much gear. Um, so my bike's set up to be pretty off-road oriented. It's not fun on the road at mm -hmm. all. Like, honestly, I've, I feel more comfortable going 50 on a dirt road than I do 50 on the highway because mm -hmm. just the bike is so uneasy mm -hmm. on, the, on the road. But, um, yeah, I mean, I have my wheels balanced. That's a definitely needed modification <laughs> or else you're just bouncing down the road. Uh, I have some double take mirrors. Um, so the mirrors won't break and then you can fold them away when you're off road as well, <coughs> which is nice. It gets them out of your way. It gets them out of your, your view and stuff. Um, you know, I went, you know, the tires it came with were pretty street oriented. So I went with some proper dirt tires, some dual sport tires, uh, like 90% off road, 10% on. Um, and I mean, there's a bunch of modifications I, I'd love to do as well. Like, you know, a bigger gas tank, it comes stock of the two gallon. I'd love a four gallon cause range anxiety is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a seat that's more comfortable to sit on for long days like that. But I mean, and a nicer headlight. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's so much, you could throw so much money at these things. It's mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous. Um, but as far as like the setup for actually camping off the bike, I had a Moscow moto reckless 40, um, which is one of their rackless, um, systems. So it just drapes over kind of the rear fender seat of the back of the bike. Um, and straps down which is nice because you can take it off really easily like when you know i need to like let's say yesterday i went road trail right i don't mm -hmm. i don't have my bags on but if i needed to go camping off of it i could load up the bags in 10 minutes and be off right mm -hmm. makes it really multi-purpose um but my realization was that at 40 liters uh i'm usually carrying but arkina has got to be 60, I think it's 70? 80, 85. Yeah, it's it's a big pack. <clears throat> and I'm usually carrying more hunting gear. I don't tend to have backpacking gear necessarily. Mm. So you don't get to carry much gear in 40 liters yeah. unless you have a full backpacking kit. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I had a few extra pairs of clothes um, and, and some stuff to, you know, it's it was fall. So it's it's cold at night, warm in the day. So there's a bunch of different layers and stuff like that. Um but yeah, I mean, it's not much gear, you know, you don't like, you can't take that much. I, yeah. I didn't have room for really anything besides my instant coffee mm -hmm. uh, as far as food goes and some snacks on top of that, you're taking extra tools mm -hmm. because your bike could fit yeah, yeah. or a tube and stuff like that. So you're taking a ton of extra gear, um, that you wouldn't necessarily take if you had a 40 liter mm -hmm. backpacking back yeah, yeah. and you still got your Garmin, you still got all that stuff. You, mm -hmm. you know, you still got your water filters, all this stuff. Um, so it's kind of a cool experience cause you're truthfully, you're carrying backpacking gear off of this bike 
and it really does feel like backpacking yeah 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 well it's it's kind of cool too like what you did right um with uh planning for most of your food being like in towns i feel Mm -hmm. like that's a kind of a cool thing uh knowing it's you kind of get like the the best of both worlds right because on a trip like that and yeah you can kind of do this with with um with like overlanding if you wanted to you could do these routes but you're not limited on your gear so like you had the kind of the gear setup as in like tent you got to be minimalist there not all the layers um you know probably minimalistic basically everything um not as much as you'd want to take but you also still had the like option or the just the idea that you're going to be in town at some point during the day to yeah. kind of like take care of that stuff. It's kind of like a hybrid it type is. thing, you know, it and it sounds, sounds pretty cool. So like, what about, uh, if somebody did want to maybe just do like a truly self-supported, like if they wanted to go up into the, the San Juans and, uh, just chill there without going down to town, are they, do they have setups that you could run on your bike that would give you a little bit more space or would you have to probably go up to a little bit bigger bike to be able to haul all that stuff? No, you could definitely do like a bigger system on my bike. Um, it's just when you're adding weight up high on a bike like that, it becomes harder to handle. You're Mm -hmm. adding weight to the rear of the bike. Um, so just all in all over time, the bike's going to start handling worse Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So you're really just trying to strike a balance. Like if you like on that trip, my idea was to ride hard and and have fun. And Mm -hmm. that's what I like to do. If you're just going out there to putt and you want to just go camp at the top of some awesome basin, like, yeah, you can totally get way more gear Mm -hmm. on your bike if you need to. But, um, yeah, like I think they, I think Moscow makes a 80 liter system Mm -hmm. and at 80 liters. Yeah. I mean, you can take some real luxurious stuff you know yeah um but at 40 liters i mean honestly the best way if it was summer and it was fair weather camping like i'd probably just take one of our gunnison tarps Mm. just i mean that saves you so much room in the first place yeah that gives you two or three meals you know and and you know and then i could i could have thrown some stuff in a backpack if i would have left some fly fishing gear at home you know like you have options for sure and i could definitely do that trip but it depends on what you're doing like if you're riding all day you can cover so much ground that you're gonna be in a town Mm -hmm. you know and and you're gonna burn through gas real Mm -hmm. quick so it's like eventually you're gonna be at a gas station yeah so for me that like an 80 liter system just is way too much overkill especially for like i mean there was a lake that you and i had talked about that i wanted to get up to and it was pretty hard double track riding Mm mm-hmm with that 80 liter system, I wouldn't have really had fun. Like yeah. if I was carrying yeah. that much weight Yeah. versus on the 40 liter system, I could still throw the bike around, still do everything I needed to. Um, yeah, maybe you ride it at 80% of what you usually ride at, mm-hmm. but you can still ride hard, you yeah. know, and, and still have a good time. So, but and I mean, there's like the bigger bikes too, right? Like there's like KTM 890s mm-hmm. or like BMW GS 1200s. Those are big bikes that you can put insane amount of luggage on. Uh, people travel across the country on those. People drive them off to Alaska from mm. Florida. Yeah. Um, but that's not a bike that you could ever go do. Or, I mean, you could, <laughs> but it would be a very unpleasurable experience to really get off of anything much more than a, a harder dirt road. Yeah, me, yeah. okay. Um, you brought up a good point there there. Uh, have you ever ridden with just like a, like if you were to take one of our flights and load that thing up, how would that differ from maybe running, you know, like the, like if you were to put 35 pounds in a flight, you know, just maxed out yeah, lots of food and stuff like that, would that be different than having those baggage? That's a pretty good question, um, actually. So like as far as, like I said, doing a thousand squats a day, it's mm-hmm. probably more than that. Mm-hmm. When that 35 pounds is on your body, I mean, you're going to get way more tired. Yeah. And you also got to think you're standing on pegs with weight on your back. So your weight is now even higher. Mm. Your arms have to take that weight. Yeah. It's not bad for maybe 40, 50 miles. But after that, 
like you start to get it, it's yeah. going to tire you out way more well there would probably be a component to like if you have to bail from your bike yeah having a 35 pound backpack on would not be the most ideal exactly that and then there's another issue with with helmets mm-hmm. and frame height mm-hmm. um your frame usually wants to come up to like if you want a comfortable carry on your frame your frame wants to come up to like middle of your ear, right? Mm-hmm. Your helmet wraps around the back towards your neck and yeah. it also sticks out a few inches. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, if you have anything that's going to carry well on your backpack or carry, like if you're, if you're wearing a backpack, that's going to carry well, you have that frame there and then wearing the helmet, like it's happens in, just, in normal bike packing as well. Yeah. Your head's going to hit and you just don't have that field of, of view anymore either. Yeah. Not, not ideal. Yeah, but, man. Well, I don't know. I, th- I think like, it's a super cool way to kind of get out and and experience the woods in a in a different way yeah. especially like if you're not if you're looking for the kind of the experience of the remoteness but you don't you know because especially with some of those single tracks like i feel like there's a lot more people that have atvs and and four by fours than have dirt bikes so yeah it allows you to get away from people allows you to kind of get a more remote experience especially if you're in you know in if you don't want to put a whole ton of physical labor on your body trying to backpack into an area yeah. it seems like kind of a, a super good compromise for that and um yeah it sounds sounds awesome i mean i want to do it yeah I mean, it's sweet i mean for me the the biggest thing about it compared to like backpacking isn't that backpacking let's say you do in a day, like I'm not going to want to do much more than like seven or eight miles with mm-hmm. a light, you know, backpacking system. Mm-hmm. Like, and that seven or eight miles, if you're in the mountains, could take you quite a bit of time. Yeah. You just get to see so much on a dirt bike. You Like if you put in an eight hour day on a dirt bike, all in the dirt, mm-hmm. and you put in an eight hour day hiking, I'm not, I wouldn't be super convinced that either of them were harder than each other. Yeah. But if I'm putting that eight hour day on my moto, I'm doing maybe 15, 20 miles an hour, depending on the, the 15 to 30, depending on the, on the terrain. Right. While that guy who's backpacking is maybe going two, two and a half miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So I end up covering a hundred plus miles in yeah. a day and I get to see everything. Well, how many, cause on your most recent trip, you probably hit four or five different mountain ranges. Oh yeah. I mean, I hit, I mean, I kind of covered like the gems of southwestern Colorado. Yeah. For yeah. the most part, I mean, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I hit basically every single national forest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's within. You hit the probably uh, the but, whole G mug. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I basically hit the whole G mug, which <clears throat> you couldn't do in three days backpacking. No, you know? and no, it, definitely not. You don't get as intimate of an experience because you're you know you're you, there's a motor and, mm. and and you know you aren't like your own feet on the ground all that stuff right but you definitely if you want to see some stuff and and have a good time doing it i mean there's i don't think there's much of a better way than brat packing brat packing you find a nice middle ground in bike packing yeah right because you still get that intimate experience more quiet it, it's it's quiet and, and my moto has a real quiet exhaust on it because i don't want to be too obnoxious um but you get that more intimate experience where you're 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 full pedal power you aren't doing as many miles but you're totally capable of doing 50 miles a day versus Mm -hmm. backpacking you know Mm -hmm. if you're on the colorado trail i'm sure it's like 20 miles a day or something right so you 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 get more distance with a similar intimacy Mm -hmm. on normal cycle packing if you want to call it not motorcycle packing um but I mean, they're all, they're all insanely cool ways to get out in the woods. They yeah. They really are. That's the thing. It's another way to get out. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Uh, if anybody listening has questions about motopacking, hit us up on Instagram yeah. or uh, hit us up on, on the email and we'll make sure that uh, Owen is the one that answers. Dang right. But thanks, man.
Oh, oh, oh.